Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlo, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlo's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlo's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE. Witchcraft in general is control and manipulation. It's something that you do to get something returned. Do witches worship the moon? Especially during Halloween, that they believe that it opens up in the spiritual realm. This, this was just accepted as commonplace. What are the nuts and bolts of it like? A demon came. And the main witch, she just got possessed and she started to speak. Someone in your family is going to die in one week. My dad committed suicide and he was hanging there. We hear a lot about witch hunts, political witch hunts, social witch hunts. And the premise of the phrase witch hunt is that something is preposterous unjust because witches don't exist. But what if they do? What if they exist? What if people practice witchcraft? What if they've done that for millennia? And what if an increasing number of people are doing that right now? What would my proof of such a wild contention be? A former witch. That would be Julie Lopez. Julie, thank you for being here. Michael, thank you so much for having me here today. Julie, in this longer form series, I've talked to all sorts of people who have tended to fall more onto the spiritual side of things. Uh, so we've talked to people who are kind of new agey. I've spoken to an exorcist. I've talked to a psychic. I've t- You're the first person I'm talking to who would have called herself a witch. And so for for some people who might accept, okay, there's a spiritual realm and maybe there's something to, you know, the vibes and the, you know, the psychic powers and whatever. I think even for those people to hear that witchcraft is real, that's going to be a bridge too far. But you say it's real. It is real. And I say to people, You can take what you want from me, but you cannot take my testimony and what I lived. And witchcraft was part of my life for generations, five generations. My great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, myself, and it ended in me because of the consequences that, you know, throughout generations, I realized this has to end in me. I don't want my generations, I don't want my children to be involved in this, so... I'm talking from my own experience. Um, This is not something that I learned in a book or in a movie. This is something that was in my my family. Four generations, that means that your great-grandmother practiced witchcraft? Yeah. My great-grandmother was, she was a medium. She was a psychic. 
she was the healer, so she used to move like in different areas. And um, and she was the one that introduced all of, all of us into into witchcraft. But something interesting is that we never call ourselves witches. Mm. We never said, "Oh, we are witches. We are moving it." No, because it was part of our DNA. So we didn't have to say to people, "We are doing witchcraft" or "We are witches," because we grow up like that. Were were you conscious of it being witchcraft at the time and you just didn't tell people or you weren't even conscious? I didn't. You know, when when I became Christian, that's when I realized, huh. wait a minute, I was doing witchcraft. My family <laughs> was doing witchcraft. And, you know, I didn't share my testimony for like 12 years. I just shared my testimony. I started to share my testimony last year because, I first of all, I was scared of my background. I was ashamed that, you know, that my father died because of witchcraft. And um, and so I just stopped kind of like hiding that part of me. And um, until I realized actually that we were actually deep involved in witchcraft, like my whole fa- my whole family. How, this is, might be a sore subject, so don't feel the need to go too in-depth if you don't want to. But how did your father die from witchcraft? So that's, that's, that's part of my testimony and how witchcraft ends in me. Um, we, so we grew up with a lot of witchcraft. Towards the end of my father dying, we got involved in black witchcraft, which is the witchcraft that you use to harm people, to control. To, uh, witchcraft in general is control and manipulation. But towards uh, that year, we were just involved in witchcraft because my mother got connected to a friend that was a black witch. Uh, so someone that was in black witchcraft. And she started to train me. She saw me and she said, you know, your daughter has a gift. And we did a ritual and they consecrated me to one of the three Venezuelan powers, which is a principality. It's a, it's a demon of high rank. And he became my spirit guide. He became kind of like my guide and... I used to go to him for rituals if I needed, needed something. So I started to learn when he was in a room, smell his presence, feel his presence. And also I started to get super depressed, suicidal, because also the spiritual realm works with blood. So when you are increasing in power, also the things that you have to do increase in power. So these demons will ask you for maybe do sacrifices or do something deeper. Blood is part of that. So I didn't realize that through me cutting myself, right, I was making a covenant with this demon because the blood is powerful for initiation of covenants. So I didn't realize that through me doing that subconsciously, I was giving power to this demon. I was making a covenant with him. So so you were harming yourself. But not not in a conscious way, saying this is part of the witchcraft ritual. That I, but you were just doing it because you were depressed. At first, it was part of the ritual, but after that, it I just became suicidal. Huh. I ended up in the hospital. I tried to commit suicide because I felt so tormented, and that was when um, we did a ritual in the entrance of the house with all the witches. We were there. We were speaking in tongues, and after that. Uh, a demon came and the main witch, she just got possessed and she started to speak these words. And uh, this witch looked at my mom and told my mom, like, someone in your family is going to die in one week. 
So I look at my mom and I told her, Liz, I don't want to know because I was so suicidal that I didn't want to know. My mom started to cry and this demon started to ask my mom, do you want to know who it is? Do you want to know who it is? And I look at my mom, my mom started to cry and I was like, let's, let's close please. So we close and one week later, so by this point I was living with this uh, witch. My mom called us at like four in the morning for five and she said, you have to come home quick. So when I, went, when, when I went home, my mom was outside completely shocked, crying with my two-year-old brother. And I was looking for my dad. So I was calling him like, like dad, dad, dad. I entered the house. And when I entered the house, I felt this heavy atmosphere. It's like someone put a cloth on me and I couldn't even walk. When I went to the room, I couldn't find my dad. So I ran outside and I have the feeling to check next to the storage that we had close to the house. And when I pushed, my dad committed suicide and he was hanging there. And when I saw him, for me, that was the moment where my, my whole existence just collapsed. My whole family got ruined. And we realized that, so the witch that was training me in black witchcraft, um, the person that my mom was friends with, she basically was kind of like, she came with a mission. She came not only to train me and to, you know, but also she came to destroy my family. And in fact, as soon as my dad died, she stopped having, she stopped speaking to my mom. So my mom realized like, wow. And my mom had also a friend in Colombia that she used to be a white witch. And she told my mom, be careful with her because she's not coming with good intentions. She's going to destroy your family. And also when she tried to astral project to my house, she said, I cannot enter your house because there is a blood cloth. There is someone of high rank taking over your house. You are in danger. But my mom thought, you know what? She's been crazy. She, she, she's just been territorial. So she stopped talking to her. So when my dad died, this witch knew because she saw it in the spirit. So she called my mom and my mom cried and she said, yes, he died yesterday. This and this happened. And she told her, cut all communication with this witch. And that's what we did. But my mom realized straight away that our family got destroyed because of witchcraft. I didn't realize just yet because I had trauma. I had anger. I hated my, my mom. So I was blaming her. So I continued to witchcraft. I left my mom. I went to live alone. I was 18. I became alcoholic, drinking, more suicidal. But my mom, she repented because she knew witchcraft killed my husband. We did this. We, we gave up authority to these demons. We did something that we weren't supposed to do. And um, yeah, that's, that's how my testimony ends. <laughs> Is it possible that the witchcraft narrative is just a, a way to explain the natural events that took place in your family. To me, I'm Christian, what you're saying makes perfect sense, and I, I don't bat an eye lash at it. For people who are secular or who don't believe in this stuff, which is a lot of people probably, they'll say, oh no, uh, maybe her father was just depressed and maybe she intuited and inferred that there were these other problems going on. And so when it happened, then after the fact, they imposed this witchcraft narrative on it. But that was all just a bunch of mumbo jumbo to explain perfectly ordinary 
social phenomena that were going on. What, maybe you've heard that reaction before. If not, what would you say to that? I have heard that before, but I always come back to the experience that we had when we were doing the ritual at the entrance. The hmm. demon came and the demon released a war over my house saying someone in your family is going to die in one week. In fact, after one week, right. my dad died. So my dad wasn't in that ritual. He didn't, yeah. he, he didn't know, he didn't even know that we were doing that, right? So that for me is like the, the, the perfect example of like, oh, these things are real. We didn't make this up. There was a course release over my house, a demon. We opened a portal because when you do rituals at the entrance of the house, you're welcoming everything possible to enter in your, in your house. And I believe that there's a lot of people, a lot of people are looking for spiritual experiences. So because people don't know where to go, this is why people are going to new age. People, humans are desperate for spiritual things because it's part of us. Before we are humans, we are spiritual beings. So people right now, children, teenagers, grown-ups, are looking for that experience and where is the place where they feel like they are finding that? It's new age. But this it's is how age. I feel about, have you heard of Burning Man? It's this music festival that takes place in the desert mm. and 70,000 people go and there's music and drugs and kind of odd you know, things that they shouldn't be doing with their bodies. And then it culminates in the burning of a giant idol, just a huge, the burning man, and they set it on fire. And it's a weird pagan religious ritual, which is not good, and obviously it's kind of the topic that we're talking about here. But I, I at least sympathize with them because I think, well, they're looking for something. They, they, they know that life is about more than just money and work and Netflix. So they want something and they're just unfortunately looking for love in all the wrong places. Exactly. And that's exactly what is happening, that we are a spiritual beings and there's people that are looking for that in the wrong places. And I believe that you can access the spiritual realm through different ways. The Bible says in John 14, 6 that Jesus is the way, the true and the life, the way. But then if you go to John 10, 1, it says, but those that climb in another way are thieves and robbers. Mm. So that makes me think, okay, Jesus is the way. He is the only way. But there are people accessing what's been given to us through Jesus in another way. That's why like, there's people that you know, do different types of rituals. Because for you to access the spiritual realm, you need blood. That's why G Jesus said, the blood of my covenant. The blood is powerful to access the spiritual realm but it's also powerful for the initiation of covenants. So this is why there's a lot of people, they understand witches and satanists, oh, they understand that there's something in the blood, right? Mm. And that there's people that are looking for that. And I'm like, you don't have to look for, there is one way and this is the right way. And this is the legal right way. Yes, you can access that through other means, but that's illegal. That's not the Make sure right way. Exactly. Right. That's not the right way of doing it. And I just realized that we have everything in here. We have the power of the blood of Jesus. We don't need any other sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. We have everything in here. So why you are going to go, you know, to the counterfeit, to the cheap? It's like if you have like a Prada bag, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go that copy. Why if you have the real thing in here? you're going to pay and go for less. And also the enemy doesn't give you anything for free. 
he doesn't give you anything for free. And then we have in here, salvation is free. The enemy, if he gives you something, he's going to ask you for something in return later on. This is why we have even so many people that have made covenants with the enemy that end up dying, end up committing suicide, end up uh, drugs, all of those things. Why? They couldn't take it. You know, this is such an important observation you're making about the, the importance of sacrifice. Because I think a lot of people today, they look at the traditional mass, you know, holy mass, and the center of it is, is the representation of the sacrifice at Calvary, of our Lord's sacrifice at Calvary. They say, why the sacrifice? Why the focus on the blood, you know, turning the host into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ? And you say, well, oh, older kinds of people before modern liberalism came around, they understood the importance of sacrifice. Every pagan tribe in history would sacrifice animals to whatever demons they, they were worshiping. And so there, there's... There's obviously deep spiritual significance. T today, we just think of, I don't know, you know, you, you watch a lecture or you, you know, you just meditate or something. There's a, the, the active sacrificial aspect of worship seems to have been downplayed. But that for all of human history, that wasn't true, even in the history of your own family. So I want to get back to this point that it was your great-grandmother who got you all involved in this. How did she fall into witchcraft? I mean, I believe... It was coming even before her, because when I when I was born, she was already seventy years. She died in two thousand nineteen. She accepted Jesus and all of the stuff. She repented, but we believe that it was coming even before her. That there was like her her, her family trained and raised her because she grew up doing that. She was like the 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 witch in her village. She was the shaman. She was the psychic. She was the medium. She was the exorcist. Even like people, she used to use, um, she used to heal people too. So she was like a big person in her village, which make us think that it, it, it was coming even before that. We say four or five, who knows, maybe like it was even more than that. This could have um, been going back centuries. Exactly. You were, for all you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this was just accepted. If someone today in a suburb of New York said, okay, I'm the village witch, people would look at that person. Well, I don't know, actually. These days, maybe not. 20, 30 years ago, people would look at that person and say, you're totally crazy. But this, this was just accepted as commonplace. And then your grandmother accepted it, and then your mother accepted it, and you accepted it too. But you drew a distinction between white witchcraft and black witchcraft. So she did, the, and the white witchcraft is supposed to be the more so benign there are kind? different types of witchcraft. And there's green, black, red. <laughs> so the white witchcraft, just to explain super quick. So witchcraft in general is control and manipulation. It's something that you do to get something in, re in return. So white witchcraft is the type of witchcraft that people use to connect with nature. They don't use that to harm. They think that they are doing things for good. Okay. They are doing that type of witchcraft to help people, super connected with uh, nature, with the animals, to that, that type of worship. Then you have the green witchcraft, which is the type of witches that use um, a lot of nature, a lot of herbs, kind of like remedies, things like that. So you, if you are a witch, you can be moving in, in, in a lot of different things. And then the, the black one is actually the one that's used to harm people is the one that you use to, to control, to kill, to put, to put courses, to destroy family, to destroy a marriage. And um, so there are different ones. So my great-grandmother, she used to move in a field. 
She used to move in green witchcraft, which is type of like the, the healing, the, the, the herbs, the saints to heal. Mm. She used to move in white witchcraft too and in black. I guess today we'd call someone a witch doctor if they mixed up little potions and things, but that's just that, right? Now, now that's been supplanted by modern medical science which I'm not convinced has a better track record of bodily healing than all the crazy witch doctors of several centuries ago. But that's a discussion mm-hmm. for another time. So that, that you might call, I don't know, like an alchemist or something like that, mixing different herbs and potions and things. But the, the difference there is not just you mixing and doing natural things. I think the difference there is that you also call out to spiritual beings to, to, re, to, to come upon that thing that you are doing and release that. So I think the difference is that witchcraft, you use spirit guides, familiar guides. So whatever you are doing, you believe that something is guiding that, which spirit is guiding what you are doing. So you, you mentioned a familiar guide. And this is when I think of witchcraft, I think of broomsticks, I think of uh, crystal balls, and I think of black cats. Which I really is the, had a black cat. <laughs> you had a black cat? <laughs> I did, but it wasn't because of witchcraft. <laughs> Purely it coincidental. Which was, yeah, yeah, it was. All, all nature is but art unknown yeah, to me. So the, typically the way the black cats are portrayed in witchcraft stories is that they're the familiar... Familiar spirits. So what is the familiar spirit? So a familiar spirit is basically a demon that is assigned to a family for <laughs> generations. So it can come for like four or five generations. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spirit that at the time, especially like if you come from generations of witchcraft, Right, it's a spirit that it will it, it comes to you because of your ancestors. So it's someone that helps you to do the. I'm saying this, but it's not like that. <laughs> they are demons. Yeah. They um they help you with the rituals, with the potions. They kind of also act as guide and also as protectors. So that's 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 the thing. And um, so when I did a ritual before my dad died. I was consecrated to this spirit guide, so he became my my spirit guide. But they can take the form of animals. That's why the black cats. But this is the thing with people that I find really interesting: is that the concept of witches and brown and sticks and black cats. Like it's not just that. You even have witches in government, which is like you know ruling nations, and you don't even realize. So this concept of like no witches right now are hiding behind nice dresses, huh. behind, you, you, you know, you are not going to see a witch with a long nose and saying, I am a witch. No, because right now they are ruling governments, ruling nations through what they are doing, releasing those spirits, those demons through the position that they have. So it's also important to, to just make sure that people come out of the mindset of like, that's not just witchcraft that you see now in, so, in society. What the enemy is trying to do in nations, even here in the USA, through witchcraft. And we think like this is normal. No, But I, I thought Hillary lost the 2016 election. <laughs> so at least we got a little respite. For, but, but you're saying that putting, <laughs> putting Ms. Rodham Clinton aside for a second, uh, that these practices are being done by prominent people. And in fact, speaking of Hillary Clinton, we know that because Hillary's top campaign team invited a woman over to have a spirit cooking dinner, which was just a, a witchcraft performance. And the, the best excuse they had was that this was a kind of performance art and don't look too into it. But it, it was explicitly a witchcraft kind of ritual. 
Do, do you have evidence, though, that there are people in governments around the world that are actually doing this stuff? Or is it just your interest? No, I know that. And even in my country now, like I live in Colombia now. Last year before the elections, um, when I was praying for the new, uh, the new president and all of that, like I found out that the president, in fact, um, the one that's president now before the elections, he went to a tribe in Colombia and he got a ritual done. And the vice president right now in Colombia, she is a witch. Did you find this out as a matter of sort of private revelation, or you mean like people Both. were talking about it? I was thinking it, and then it was all over the news. You really? saw the rituals that they were doing. This is my <laughs> point. It's not hiding. Uh, no. <laughs> it's everywhere, and it's not hide. They are just doing it. So, you know, like the enemy is not hiding anymore. Mm. The enemy is out there. You see in movies, TVs, music. You, you know, recently we saw this concert at Travis Travis Scott. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that was a huge ritual. But that right ritual, there. I mean, his the stage looked like something out of Hieronymus Bosch. That was a portal. Because it looked like a devil's mouth or yep. something, and people were so. So that wasn't just a coincidence because they tried to poo-poo all the criticism and they said, no, no, it was just, uh, you know, provocative imagery. But no, the saying, people that, you know, people like me that we come from that, we knew that was a whole ritual right there because I believe he got the power through Satanism and through this type of, of thing. So for him to go to the next level, you have to do something. You have to do some sort of sacrifice. That was a huge thing right there that he did. The the platform was a portal. The things that, the, the sounds that they were playing when that was happening, they are really low sounds that open in the spiritual realm portals of death and portals for these demons to enter. So what was happening there, it was a sacrifice, a human sacrifice. Because people died at this concert. No, right? lots of people. People that don't know anything about the spiritual realm, they don't believe in, 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 in God, in nothing, they said, we felt that something was putting our soul out of us they felt that there was a weird atmosphere. So it's really interesting that even people that are not spiritual, they were saying it felt like something was pulling us out. We felt suffocated. We couldn't breathe. And I'm like, because you were part of a ritual. In fact, the people that didn't die probably now were cursed and have open portals in their, in their life because they were part of something. When you want to protect your data, you've got to go to expressvpn.com slash Michael YT. As you know, there are a lot of people who want to look at what you are doing online. The government, the ISPs, the big tech companies, they all are digging into your stuff. And so you should use the number one rated VPN on the market, not just according to me, but according to a number of outlets and authorities as well. That would be ExpressVPN. Head on over there right now. We've got all sorts of great deals and promos if you are a listener and a viewer of this show. Do not wait. You got to go immediately over to ExpressVPN slash Michael, letter Y, letter T. That is ExpressVPN.com slash Michael YT today. Again, being Christian, like these, I, I just, it's not that I believe every story that I hear, but I'm open to the possibility that this this stuff exists. And what you're describing is right out of a medieval legend. You know, what you're describing is right out of a classic horror movie on this stuff. The low sounds have a have a spiritual analog. The the cutting and the blood is physical, but then it has a metaphysical implication to it. And I I see all of that. So then. 
what are the nuts and bolts of it like? You, you tell me that the witches don't have green skin. They don't necessarily have big, warty, scaly noses. They don't necessarily fly around on broomsticks. I don't know, maybe they do. So what is the, what is the day-to-day look like for a witch? What's the fact from fiction? I can't tell you from my experience what we were doing. We weren't running, running around in, in, in broomsticks or doing those type of things. But for us, it was, it was normal waking up every, every day, set up some candles and cleanses for the house, doing some also cleanses on, our, on, our, on ourselves, preparing for, for the day, um, and just taking with us all the protections, the crystals, these type of things, reading tarot cards. That's kind of like our day-to-day look like. Um, and then when we were outside, as I said, we never said to anyone, like, we are witches, we are doing this. We would just walk around and be normal people. You know, the, the Bible is, it takes a pretty harsh line against witchcraft. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and I remember reading it at first thinking, oh, that's a pretty harsh line against something that's not real. Why, why are they, why is God so insistent that people not do something which is not possible to do? And now I have a little bit more of an open mind on that, I guess. But, but why is scripture so harsh on witchcraft in particular, you know, even more than certain other sins? I think it's because witchcraft counterfeit what God has given us as a spiritual people. When I come out of witchcraft, I started to realize that there were so many similarities that I was doing on that side, mm. that when I became Christian, I realized like, wow, this is like the real thing and this is the opposite. One of them was, for example, in the Bible, we see prophetic acts, we see the anointing oil, we see in the Bible the salt, with. Prophet Elisha did a prophetic as we salt in the water, right? And then you see that witches use salt for cleansing, for purification, for curses, for uh, cursing people, drying, all of those things. And then you also have the rainbow, right? The rainbow, yeah. the enemy counters with absolutely everything. You have also the blood, as I was saying, the blood is powerful for covenants. We have the blood of Jesus. So when I came out of that, I realized, wow, this is this witchcraft is trying to kind of steal and counterfeit what represents God. So I believe that's why God is so strict and so like, don't witchcraft, don't go to mediums, don't do necromancy. Why? Because between God's kingdom and the occultism and witchcraft, there is a really thin line that even you as a Christian, you can be stepping in without you realizing. So that's why we have to be careful. And I believe that's why God is so drastic to like, don't do that. Because the enemy is copying, is taking this, that is God's kingdom, is taking it for his kingdom. And I feel like that's one of the reasons. Pro- probably most, of all the different witchcraft flavors, you know, it's like a bag of Jolly Ranchers, the green and the purple and the red and the white. Uh, the, the most dangerous would seem to me to be the, the white witchcraft because it seems the nicest. So it seems the most palatable. And therefore, but it's not, it's not good, right? It's not actually benign. No, because all type of witchcraft is bad. Regardless of what you do, you, you read tarot cards, you go outside to speak to nature or do things in nature or you think you are doing this for the universe. But whatever you are doing, 
is bad. Why? Because it's counterfeit. Because we have the Holy Spirit and then in here you have another spirit that is guiding that experience. So actually the question that we should ask is like, okay, who is guiding your experience? This is the real thing. If it's not the Holy Spirit, then it's another spirit. Then it's witchcraft, new age. Do, do witches go out into the woods and worship the moon? This is something that comes up in, the, really, that's yeah, what, that really happened? That's happened. Especially during Halloween, there is like a certain connection with the moon. There is certain connection with stars, with the blue moon, with the red moon, with all of those things that they believe that it opens up in the spiritual realm. So something important to understand is that there are principles for the spiritual realm. As I was saying, with the, with the blood, with the sacrifices, with the, it might look like, oh, this is ancient, this is weird coming from a book, but this is a spiritual principles, and this happens, and this is happening today. This is the Satanists, they are doing it because they understand that, that there is something. So they, they go out, they do rituals when there's full moon, they do rituals when there's like, no, even rituals just go outside and may, maybe like dancing around because they believe. And this is why I believe as Christians, we need to step into the power and the fullness that the Lord is giving us. Not just, just, not just going to church and just yeah. clapping hands, but there's more than that. Right. The Lord has given us the authority and the power through Jesus Christ to take over nations, to impact the earth. So why are we believing like, oh, this is just coming from a book, when in reality, wait a minute, this is being given to us. What we are doing is kind of like blocking what the Lord has given us and just thinking this is not real, this, this doesn't exist. Okay, you live your life and I will continue to do God's work in here. That's a really important point because in modern Christian circles, Protestant and to some degree Catholic too, you'll see a kind of political quietism creep in meaning this notion that the church should not be involved in public life. We just, we have our freedom of worship in our own houses of worship, sometimes when they're not shutting them down or burning them down based on blood libel like they did up in Canada. Uh, but we shouldn't interfere with uh, public policy or anything like that. I think, well, if it's true, <laughs> if, if all this stuff is true, then it should be true in public just like it's true in private. And if it's not true, then what are we doing, right? You know, the, the earlier conception of religion was that, of course, it's a public thing. The, the ancient pagans believed that religion was a public matter, of course. Mm -hmm. Major te the temple uh, to Athena was not only, uh, you know, a, a religious place, but also a, a kind of monument to the glories of Athens. Of of course, the sports festivals were, were religious festivals, always. And then at the height of Western Christendom, and Eastern Christendom, I guess for that matter, you had uh, not a, a, a total uh, overlap of the church and the state, but a, a fair bit of overlap at least. The two work together because every state is going to worship something, you know, everybody's got to serve somebody. So, so how is that going to be informed? Is that going to be informed by paganism? Is that going to be informed by private intuition? Or is that going to be informed by the church? If you really believe that Christ instituted a church on earth and said, you know, exactly. go forth, make apostles of all nations. Well, he's talking about nations, isn't he? Mm -hmm. uh, a really important point. We, we do have limbs and minds and we live in time and space and we can actually do things to affect the world around us not just exactly all right my rant is over i just there was such a good point that you brought up and and we we ignore that all too much but the other people don't ignore it uh, that's my point this is why when i come out of that i saw the church and i'm like 
oh, Lord, uh, you really want me? And I feel like a lot of people that come out of the occultism, mm. right? Not just me, but a lot of people that I have talked to that are trying to come out of that. They say something. They say like, oh, I'm trying to come out of that, but I feel like I'm losing my power. You know why? Because they see the church and the huh. church is sleeping. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, you're not going to lose your gift because the, the gifts are, are the, and the calling are irrevocable. That's something that the Lord has given to you, but the enemy is grabbing your gift for his kingdom, for his use. But this is the point that just because you are a Christian, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be sitting in a church. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be quiet. Not all the time, at least. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> we have been given a mission. We have been given a voice. Yeah. We have been given the Holy Spirit to impact. So we as the church, why are we going to allow darkness to advance if we have the power and authority through Jesus Christ to conquer right. and to take over nations? Right. Well, you know, a, a phrase that's fallen out of use is the notion of the church militant. You know, there's the church suffering, there is the church triumphant in heaven, and then there's the church militant. That's us here, you know, in time and space on earth. And uh, a priest friend of mine once said that there are too many pacifists in the church militant, too many people just passively letting things go by. But of course, uh, our enemies are not, are not doing that. They're, they're quite active. So you point out that this has been going on for many generations. Who knows? It could have been centuries in your family. It seems like this is all getting worse. It seems like the occult and witchcraft is growing. You, you hear about covens cropping up, witches against you know, this conservative politician or this Christian public figure, uh, he- hexes. Or, do you remember there were witches who said they were going to put hexes on Brett Kavanaugh, who was a, a Supreme Court justice? Um, it seems like it's becoming more prominent. Is it just always been this way, though? I've, I've, it's been always the same way. Hmm. But I believe that now is getting more power. Is getting more. Is is being more exposed. Is being more open now, to the point that it's becoming normal. It's becoming normal in schools. It's becoming normal in society. It's becoming normal to have a president that's running the country that is a witch. It's becoming normal. We don't see anything normal, but it's been there for for generations. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. The only that has changed is the way that we perceive it now. But it's still the same. The same rituals, the same blood, the same demons, the same spirits is the same. The only thing is that now it's coming out more, but I believe it is, it's the same. What do you say to people who object to all of this? Because they say, look, yes, primitive societies, they believed in witchcraft, but that was just a way to explain the inexplicable. And now we have science, and so now with much better precision, we can cure diseases. We don't need to go to a white witch mm-hmm. to cure your cough. You can just take penicillin or something. And so we're, we're demystifying the world, and we're not finding demons anywhere, and the witches, or whatever they're doing, they're, they're just mistaken, and they're taken to flights of fancy, broomstick or not. And uh, so just take your medicine, you know, read the statistics, live your mechanistic life, and uh, ignore all that stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm not scientistic. I don't, I don't think that the material explanations are sufficient. But a lot of people do. It's, that's very persuasive because science has done a good job of explaining yeah. many aspects of the physical world. What's your answer to that? What is my answer to that? Let me tell you a little testimony. My husband, 
when I mar mar married him, I was, I have always been quite spiritual, can sense things okay. around. So always since a really young age, even when I became Christian, I was still quite sensitive, see things, feel things. My husband was the opposite of that. He didn't believe in God. He was like that. Mm. He was always would like to see what are the statistics, what is this. So for me, it was quite hard, right? And he he was close to the idea of like, okay, if there is a spiritual realm. There is, there is something I have to be able to see. I have to be able to see the numbers. Like this is maybe this is not like that. So I just let him be. And you know what? He had supernatural experiences. He mm. have here the voice of God. Amanda was completely close to the idea of religion or to spiritual things. Is Amanda now feels things in the spirit? Why? Because he opened up himself. He decided, like, okay, if this is real, I want to. I want to know what what is happening. And he hears the audible voice of God. He has dreams. He has visions. So this is something that I tell people. The first step for you to open up to this and to realize that, you, you know, that there is a God and there is more than that is to give it a try. Just open up yourself and just, and just okay, Lord, if you are real, that was what my husband said. If you are real, speak to me, yeah. right? And because of what I do, I cannot do anything my husband doesn't agree with. So we always have to be in agreement with things, and that's why God has been working on him. Hmm. So what would I say to these people is that open up, just, just give it a try. Give Jesus a try and just see that all of these things are real, that you are going to start to have dreams. Because I believe with all my heart, all of us are spiritual beings. And even if you don't have dreams, even if you don't see things, even if you are this type of person that you are thinking, no, but there has to be a statistics, there has to be number, there's more than that. There has to be more than that. We just haven't been called to, we have been called for more. We have been called to be connected to God. We have been called to be one with the Holy Spirit and walk by faith, as the Bible says, no by sight, no by numbers, but actually by faith. So how do you know that now you're on the right track? Meaning, back when you were a witch, or certainly when your ancestors were witches, they thought they were doing good. It was white witchcraft, right? So they thought that was healing and helpful and they would feel spirits and things, but they thought it was all nice and good and comforting and protecting and all the rest of it. So now you're saying much the same thing. You're saying, I have, still have a spiritual sense. I feel comforted and protected. I think I'm doing good. I, so how do you know that, that you're on the right track now when you were mistaken about being on the right track before? Well is clearly, for me, it's clearly obvious. When I was involved in that, I was depressed, I was suicidal. Mm. We were involved in drugs. We had addictions. We were having nightmares. There was oppression in my family. There was poverty. There was destruction. Now, using my life, you know, the Lord has completely restored me and my family, not only me. My mom, my brothers, my family. We don't have addictions. We don't know involving drugs. I'm not depressed. I'm not suicidal. I don't have those type of nightmares. I don't have a sleep paralysis. I don't have that. I, You've I, had that too, sleep yeah, paralysis? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, 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 it was everything. It was that season that it was so strong that it was just almost impossible to be in that house to the point after my dad died. After a few days, we, we packed a few things and we left that house because of the atmosphere 
that was in that house, the dreams, the nightmares that we were having. I will, I will see my dad passing by thinking my dad is here when he was in, in reality a demon passing by. My, my mom tells me that they, I almost tried to commit suicide in the same place where my dad died. I don't remember. I have flashes, but I believe I was probably possessed. But that boy in that house was super, the atmosphere there was heavy. And after a few days, my mom said, like, let's run from here. And we just got a few clothes and, and left that house. Did you sell it? I mean, did you, no. you just, you literally just left? We still have that house. So <laughs> <laughs> my mom, um, she, um, the only thing that she knew by then was um, Catholicism. So she just basically, she talked to a priest. The priest went with holy water or something, did some prayers, but then it didn't work. When she came back again, there was the atmosphere. She, she, she says that the house was still really heavy, the atmosphere there. And uh, after we became Christians, then she just went over with some pastors, they prayed, they anointed the house, they break the course. We still have that house and people live in there and they haven't felt anything. So you were able to go back then? I haven't. I have only been there once. Wow. My mom has. Why do you think the uh, the blessing didn't take? Because I believe like there are some, some things specifically that you have to break in a house. Hmm. There are certain, for example, this is why understanding the spiritual realm is so important, right? It's not just like, going there and blessing this place. I believe blessing is a powerful thing, but there are certain things in the spiritual realm, like the same thing that we did in the entrance of the house. Yeah. There was a portal there hmm. that had to be closed. There is a portal there that the cords have to be broken specifically in that place and play hmm. the blood of Jesus and close those things and reveal the evil forces that were inside of that house. You know, that's, a, that's an important distinction because for a lot of people who don't believe in anything spiritual, or <laughs> who everyone believes in something spiritual, but you know they'll either believe in crystals and things, or they'll believe in actual, like serious, meaningful spiritual things. Uh, but to to a lot of people, it's all the same, just kind of mumbo jumbo. But there's a difference between uh, just a basic blessing and say something like the rite of exorcism. You know, in the traditional baptism, there are three exorcisms. Three, a poor little baby, you know, or an adult who's being baptized. What? Three exorcisms because there has traditionally been an understanding that there are unclean spirits mm -hmm. that prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls and that the priest has to cast them out you know, specifically. And that's different than you know a mere passing blessing or something like that. And what you're describing in your home is like a witch putting an actual hex on you or whatever, you know, I mean, it, that is, some pretty heavy-duty stuff, uh, you know. Maybe the difference between, uh, you know, a twenty-two rifle and a bazooka or something like that. Yeah, and it is like that. This is why, like as I was saying, I believe we have to understand spiritual principles, how the spiritual realm works, so we can actually help people with the things that I learned when I was in that world. I have been able to help so many people now that I am a Christian. I have done multiple deliverance on people and that come with generational courses and they will go to a place and people will pray for them and nothing happens. You can stop those things. When you understand the spiritual realm, you realize that you now know how to stop the enemy from advancing. So why is the church not engaging into warfare because the church doesn't know how to? Why is the church sleeping and allowing the enemy to advance? Because the church doesn't know how the spiritual realm works 
and how you can actually stop the enemy from advancing. But now, it, when you say that, is that not similar to to what you might have said in your witchcraft days? When when you say, I can stop this. You don't. Li- do you literally mean you personally can stop? Or no, you're saying that. God can stop this and you can be an instrument. You know what is the difference yeah. between that occultism and where we are now? The difference is that when I was in the occultism, I had the power. Huh. I could do it the way yeah. I wanted, when I wanted, I didn't have to ask any, I would just do it. My spirit guide will help me to do it. Yeah. Now I am a Christian. I don't do anything that's not guided by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. If it's not guided by the Holy Spirit, I'm not doing it. So when I say like we have the power to do it through Jesus Christ, yeah. we are the vessels, we are the instrument. And this is the same way that the enemy is looking for people that live in sin to advance his kingdom. Is the same way that God is looking for holy people to advance his kingdom. So if you see, it follows kind of like the same principle. Right. God is looking for holy vessels who are going to, sur- to surrender to him, to live in holiness so he can use it to advance his kingdom the same way. Right. That's why the enemy is looking to see, okay, who is living in sin so I can advance my kingdom through that, through that person. This, this is something that is misunderstood. There's another, another misunderstood aspect, especially when, when you see an old movie. If you're not a Christian, you're not a Catholic, you see an old movie and they go to, to confession, people will say, well, why do I need to confess my sins to some guy in a box? I say, well, because that some guy is not acting as himself the traditional understanding is that he is acting in the person of Christ. You know, so you're confessing your sins to God. In, in the Holy Mass, the, the priest is acting in persona Christi. And, but because we've lost so much of our understanding of the spiritual realm and the religious tradition that was alive and well not all that long ago, people get very confused and they say, well, you know, the witch is out there doing some kind of mumbo jumbo and you got the Christian over there doing some other kind of mumbo jumbo and oh, it's all the same. But the the orientation is totally different as you're describing. One is totally self-centered and the other is totally giving away of oneself, selfless. Exactly. That's what St. Paul writes. It's no longer I who lives, it's but no Christ longer, lives Exactly. So that is the difference. But now, you know, when you understand that you died with Christ, you realize, okay, it might be me, but it's not me. It's Jesus through me. So you carry the authority. You enforce Jesus' authority through you because it's no longer you. So wherever you go, there has to be a change in the ad- in the atmosphere. There has to, darkness has to start leaving that place, manifest and leaving that, that place because you carry light, you carry Jesus. So wherever you are walking, you are enforcing that. And I believe this is what a lot of Christians have lost, is uh, the authority mm. that Jesus Christ gives us, the identity that we have in Jesus Christ to, to step into serpents and to, you, you, you know, command the atmosphere right. to right. change. On this theme of acting in public, do you see in the political issues, in the political fights, the clear Christian side? Because there are many people who would call themselves Christians who say, look, we don't, the church doesn't take, doesn't do partisan politics, doesn't, it, it's so much bigger than that. We don't, I mean, there, there are people who call themselves Christians, who call themselves priests. There was a, a woman, I guess a priestess, you'd call her. She was in the Church of England and she said she's, a, she's pretending to be a priest. And she's, she said that abortion can be fine. It can be, it can be health care. 
I think you, as a Christian, you are, you are in the name of your faith defending the human sacrifice of little babies. Man, if, if we can't agree on that political issue, that that is something that a Christian must oppose, well, then I guess we can't be involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Do you see this in, in other political issues? Yeah, uh, the same with the LGBT. Is that something to do to talk mm. <laughs> to? The same in, in that way. Like, there's so many people that actually they are Christians, but they are accepting what is happening in the nations, what is happening in their, in their cities. And they're like, whether you are a Christian and you're a follower of Christ or you are not, you cannot be lukewarm. You cannot be saying, like, I am a Christian, but you know what? Because I don't want drama and I don't want, you know, my church or my, or my place to be involved in this. I'm just going to agree with, with what they are saying. Hmm. You cannot be look, lukewarm, whether right. it be cold or be hot, but don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. Dante has in, the, in his conception of hell, the, the lukewarm people are they're sort of on, just on the outside of hell. Because they can't get into heaven, but even people in hell find them so disgusting. <laughs> just, they spit out yeah. by both of them. Um, but then how can, a, how can a Christian be more active in politics? What's, do we say just, look, vote for the conservatives. Don't vote for the crazy liberals. The conservatives want good, normal policies, and the liberals want to kill your babies and chop up your kids and upend our whole society. I mean, is it, is it that simple? I believe that it's part of that, right? I always make sure that, you know, just, but the most important thing, you know what it is. It's not about what are they offering to you. I think the most important thing is like, what is the Holy Spirit guiding you to to do? Because the same way that God can use Nabucodonosor or he can use a wicked person for a nation, the same way, the, the same way that happened in the Bible, God can do it nowadays. So I think the most important thing for this is to have the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Just come. I see a lot of Christians that they put in a table. What are they offering me? Oh, better jobs, better things. They don't care that they are, you know, they are, uh, they are, they approve the uh, abortion or they approve right. these type of things just because they see the benefit. Okay, so yes, we need to see what they are offering, but I think everything has to come to that spiritual perspective. Okay, Holy Spirit, what are you, what do you want to bring? What is the changes that you want to bring? Because God can use anyone for a nation. God can bring someone that is like left, right, but also the most important thing, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? Mm. What is the Holy Spirit showing you? That's why we have to be a sp- a spiritual beings. We cannot be normal people trying to understand spiritual matters if we don't comprehend the spiritual realm. But now, do you, do you mean this, when, when you say, listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you, do you mean this as a matter primarily of private revelation or public revelation? In, in, in that, when Christ ascends to the Father, he says, look, you're upset that I'm leaving you, but you, you should be happy because... I'm going to go up and then I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And you see this at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit descends, tongues of fire, and this is the great expansion of the church. And uh, Christ says, I'll, I'll never leave you. You know, the, the church will always have the Holy Spirit. Um, private, I, I'm a little skeptical of private revelation. I think there are many examples of private revelation that I find credible, that the church has deemed credible, that I think are inspiring. I think it can happen to any of us. I think it does happen to a lot of us, maybe. But demons can appear as angels of light. So that, that seems to be 
uh, a little worrisome as well. And I guess it's why I, I tend to favor the hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit through the church to whom the Holy, to, to, to whom uh, our Lord has promised the Holy Spirit's eternal protection. Does that make sense? I, I just, I'm, I'm a little worried about someone saying, well, I just, I just heard, the Spirit told me that we've got to elect some crazy baby-killing Democrat because, you know, I don't know, I just felt it that. And this is why I also believe it's important for us to be under someone that is, you know, seasoned yeah. and anointed. So whatever you receive, you can go to that person and wait. There's always has to be some sort of like what you see, what the Lord is showing you that you believe, that you weigh that with someone, whether it's a prophecy mm-hmm. for, for a nation, whether it's a revelation for the next president, but that you actually are under someone because also the spiritual realm also understands submission. Mm-hmm. You see, mm-hmm. like, trust me, the demons are submitted. Mm-hmm. They work in ranks. There are different types of ranks. There are different types of levels. This is what also when I became Christian, I saw so much division. And I'm like, well, how is this going to even work? There's, they are so organized. They understand rank. And then you, we have the church and the division, like fighting. Oh, you're not here. I'm from this. And I'm, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, there has to be unity. Yeah. If we want to advance the kingdom of God, what about if we forget about the denomination and we actually come together to worship the one that, that is Jesus Christ? In fact, that, right? that's in the creed. One of the four marks of the church is unity. The church cannot be divided against herself. That, right, and yet you see so much division. Obviously, we see, we see a lot of division among Christians mm-hmm. all around us. I love this point on hierarchy and submission because we live in a modern age where we're very egalitarian and nobody's ever supposed to submit to anybody. I, I was at a wedding where people were rewriting the scripture in order to say that, to take out any word about submission. You're not allowed to have that anymore. But of course there are natural hierarchies. And in fact, even in the very controversial passage, which is read at weddings, you know, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. The marriage is supposed to be a symbol of the relationship between Christ and his church. And then as you point out, hierarchies within the church. And, and, and what you're telling me, which I believe, is there are even hierarchies on the bad side of things, too. Because it's a copy. They copy. Huh. It's just a cheap imitation. Exactly. But you know, God is a God of order. And we even see in the mm. Trinity, there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the perfect example of how it should work. There should be ranks. There should be submission. And uh, at the, coming mm. back to the point that you were saying about the revelation, right? This is why it's important that if someone is receiving a revelation, you know, it's important to see is that person submitted to someone, is that person under someone, or is that person just going around releasing everything that they perceive and not actually having established a spiritual life. And that goes for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Like, who is, who are you submitted to? First of all, Jesus Christ, of course, but are you submitted to your husband, to your wife? Are you submitted who is your spiritual life? Mm-hmm. Authority. Is there is there a visible sign of the church and of your faith? I mean, even if we're talking about the the image of the church in your family, is this is there order there? That's that's a, a beautiful point. On or we're seeing a lot of social and political order breaking down all around us, and coincidentally, we're seeing that breaking down as the culture turns away from God. Now, you turned back to God. Are you the anomaly? Are you cutting against the current 
of the whole culture, or is there something in the air uh, by which people are moving away from New Age spirituality, or call it what it is, witchcraft, back to God? Which way is which way is the culture going? Oh, that's a really that's a really good question. Um, what I have, what I'm sensing around is that the people are hungry for spiritual things. Yeah. Even those that say that, you know, um, we don't believe in anything. I'm just really like, like scientists and statistics and numbers and things like this. But there is a hunger for spiritual things. Mm. And I see that there is revival in our side. The people are coming out of, of, the, of the occultism, coming out of the witchcraft, coming out of Satanism, coming out of all of those things because they have realized that now their eyes have been opened to this. But I also see that I see those that they don't know where to go, they are gravitating towards that. This is why I believe us as the church, we need to be strong and mm. talking more about spiritual things to, so that people can understand that, hey, you have Jesus in here. You don't need to go to the fake. You don't need to go to the copycat. There is only one way, as I say, John 14, 6. That way is Jesus Christ. Yes, just, just you can access through other ways. You are going to be a thief and a rover. This is the real thing. So this is why the church, we have to speak up. We have to talk and be involved and talk more about the spiritual realm and, you know, what is going on in the spiritual realm and, you know, with the Holy Spirit and the revelation. So they don't, they don't go towards what is easy for them and accessible, which is the occultism. So I, I see, like, to answer your question, I see like, it going both ways. I see a lot of people coming out of that, but at the same time, the people are trying to find an answer. So people that know about the spiritual realm are finding a way in this side, but people that are trying to find a way what is accessible for them right now is the occultism. Maybe it's because what people are really fleeing is atheism. You don't hear that much about atheism anymore. I remember 15 years ago, that's all you heard about was Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris. It, it, it was probably more a publishing phenomenon than it was an actual intellectual movement. But it still dominated the culture for a long time. Bill Maher had his movie Making Fun of Christians. and You just saw it. It was very popular. And it's not as popular anymore. So why is that? What is popular right now? I think what is popular right now is the two things you were describing. But I'll be even more specific on it. I think New Age, woo-woo witchcraft is becoming more explicitly popular the crystals and the dream catchers and all that. And I think that orthodoxy, traditional religion, is becoming more popular. Where are you seeing growth in Christian life? I'll just use an example of the Catholic Church. You're not seeing growth in hippy-dippy 1970s boomer practices. You're, You're seeing growth in not younger, you're actually seeing growth in much older practices than that, the mass of the ages. The Latin mass is exploding, and it's exploding with young people. You're seeing a, a big drive of young people toward Eastern Orthodoxy, you know, the, the Eastern take on Christianity. Even for my Protestant friends, I'm, I'm seeing a collapse in the mainline, squishy, lukewarm churches. And where there is growth, there would seem to be growth in 
more dogmatic, more rigorous forms of, of that. So I'm, I'm seeing, a, I guess, an emptying out of the lukewarm, squishy middle mm-hmm. and a, a clarifying of the battle lines yeah. in spirit. You put it like in the perfect, with the perfect words. Thank you. Thanks. The lukewarm, yeah, it's actually spreading. Some people are going to this side and some people are going to this side. So there is, there is a revival. There is something is happening in the spiritual realm. Like people, people's eyes are being open now to the spi- to the spiritual realm. Now the I feel like the 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 danger is is that that, that people are gravitating towards what is accessible for them, what is easy for them. And we see like everywhere in in the TV, like in the news, in the movie. But then on the other side, I see also the eyes of people opening up more to the prophetic. The prophetic is revelation and who is the one that revealed to us the Holy Spirit. So I see like more people all also like actually realizing that there is a spiritual realm, that there are demons, that there are things that we can do to help people to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And, and so I, I see revival. Now, you, you still live in Colombia. You don't live in the United States. No. So I grew up in Spain. Yes. Then I moved to the UK when my dad died when I was 18. And I moved last year to Colombia after 25 years. So do you, do you get back to Spain or to the UK? Or obviously you're traveling here, but really, probably just to do this interview and a few other professional things. Do, do, you, do you ever go back knowing that there's so much baggage with your old life there? Or do you say, no, I've got a new life. I'm sticking around Colombia. I went to Colombia with a mission. Mm. <laughs> I went there not because I w- wanted to move. It was never in my heart coming back again to my roads, coming back again to my family or to that place because I always thought if the Lord took me out of this place, it's because he wanted something better. But the Lord... I'm, I'm sorry, you, you grew up in Spain or you grew up in Colombia? Spain. You grew up in Spain. I so... was born in Colombia. But you were born in Colombia. Okay, got it. Got it. I was born there, moved to Spain when I was five. Yeah. And then after my dad died, when I was 18, I moved to the UK. I met my husband there, got married, have kids, and then moved back to Colombia. God sent me back there mm. to, to um, establish a new ministry. And the word that the Lord gave me was, I'm sending you back as I sent Moses to his people. Huh. So I believe that also because of the experience that I went through, the occultism, there's so much witchcraft in Latin America. Is there? It's, is, is normal, is the daily bread. I, you're walking on the street and you see people doing witchcraft in the shops. And I'm like, that for me, that for me is, is not normal, right? Seeing in the street and in the shops, like the, the culture for me was quite like shocking. And uh, so after this one year, this year that I have been there, I have to, you know, again, connect to the culture, to the people, what, what is moving around. But I believe the Lord sent me back is because I had an understanding of how things work in the spiritual realm. Now I have been set free and now he's taking me back to help my people too. Is the witchcraft in Latin America, is that what Santeria is? Because I've heard of Santeria and I was interested in it because it's got, it looks kind of Christian. Specifically, it's got, it's got almost the aesthetic of Catholicism, but it's totally perverted. It's, to- it's like an in- inversion of the religion where like, there's this thing they worship, the uh, Saint Death, Santa Muerte. Santa Muerte. And, mm-hmm. So what is it though? It's, like a, it's just like a pagan syncretism so, with Catholicism. So Santeria, right? The Santeria 
it has uh, seven orishas, okay? Yemaya, Ochun, Chango, so all of these goddesses that went, the Africa, that they come from Nigeria. In Nigeria, mm. you have the seven, the same ones. So when the Africans, you, you know, they got slaves and they moved yeah. to Cuba, they moved to Haiti, this is where it's predominant, the Santeria. Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, these places, the culture mixed with the culture of the slaves. So, and this is why, you know, the principality that, that I was consecrated to is called the Indian Huacaipuro. He's part of the three Venezuelan powers. So there are different courts. You have the core, um, what's the name? You have the, core, the, the Indian core, which is these three, Maria Leonza, Negro Felipe, Indian Huacaipuro, that these are the, the, the three principalities of Venezuela. But then you have the Santeria, right? And this is where all of these others. So all of these come from the root of Africa, these, these goddess, these demons of high rank. And at the time of doing the Santeria and the witchcraft, Right. What happens is that now it has mixed with Catholicism. Even my great grandmother, for healing, she used to use San Gregorio, San Gregory, for healing, and uh, and and other saints that she that she used to use. Mixing and them up with this mixing. demon stuff from Africa. So exactly. So it's quite common there that you will see Catholics so involved in witchcraft. And they say, I'm Catholic. I'm going to church. I'm practicing. I'm doing all the at the same time. They're doing witchcraft. Someone asked me about this, this, this Santa Muerte, and I said, you know, listen, I wasn't totally perfectly catechized, but I never heard of this Santa Muerte anywhere in my catechism, or any. I never read this in the Bible or in any of the, my Catholic teaching, and I, then I stumbled on this Santeria thing. That must, that must be very scandalous, too, because if these people, just in good faith, grow up and they think that Catholicism is when you invoke like demons to practice witchcraft then they they might be doing these bad things without even really knowing it yeah. and that was like part of my family too my great-grandmother she used to go to church but then she used to just go home and be a medium so it's part especially of the latin culture is so strong wow. to see catholics actually involved in witchcraft and with the saints and all, and all of that. That's why. But are they are they aware of it? I just assumed that they're not aware of it. But are are they aware of the contradiction there? No. 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 Wow. My great grandmother Santa's used to use the Bible too. <laughs> she used to have the Bible open in Psalms twenty three, Psalms ninety one, and even like when my dad died, you know, this white witch, um, she told my mom do this prayer every night, even though she was a witch. She told my mom, do this prayer, Psalm 91, Psalm 23, every night. And we did that for one month, every single night. So the, the, they understand that, you know, there's something in the Bible. I go to church, you know, but at the same time, I'm using the saints and I'm using, even like some rituals that they do, they actually ask God to, to bless and to guide them and the saints to, to, to do it. Intercede and so Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, what about, I guess, the only other occult thing I've heard that in, invokes some Catholic practices but flips them would be outright Satanism, where they do the Black Mass, which is a parody of the, of the traditional Holy Mass. But you never got involved in outright Satanism. Thank God. 
I didn't, but I but I have an understanding of how things in Satanism work and the, the same thing, the blood the rituals, because we were doing blood rituals too and animal and things like that. For we certain, were sacrificing for certain, animals? For certain rituals, you know, in Santeria it's super common. In Santeria it's super common to kill maybe a chicken or a um, cows, uh, goats, sorry, cows, no, goats. Things like that so is it's, it's normally part of the ritual because you need blood. One time I was walking along Santa Monica Beach in California and underneath Santa Monica Pier, my buddy and I were walking along, we found a beheaded chicken. And I had no idea what this was, and I, I joked. I said, oh, I guess he ran out of the restaurant. You know, he made it out of the kitchen before they could cook him. But my buddy said, no, you know, this is probably some voodoo thing, probably some witchcraft ritual. And I didn't really believe him when he said it, but there's a lot of occult stuff out in California. There is. It probably California, probably you, you see spiritually what it moves in there. And when you see there's a lot of sexual immorality, sexual immorality comes together with the occultism. Sexual immorality moves with witchcraft. It hmm. also moves with poverty and death, addictions. So when you see in an area that's moving those type of things, there's some sort of witchcraft. I, I saw a story just, just popped up of a trial in Glasgow. Eleven people put on trial for witchcraft. That was the headline, really sensationalist. In 2023, people are on trial for witchcraft. But then when they outlined the actual charges, it was satanic ritual abuse of children. It was sexual abuse of children and, and forcing children into seances and to use Ouija boards. And it was all, it was all jumbled up together. And uh, it did get me wondering, it, hate to bring this up, you know, in mixed company, but is the weird sex stuff is, is part of it. The sex rituals. Yeah. It is part of it. And let's come back again to the blow thing. You, you know why they use virgins in the rituals? Because when a virgin woman had sex for the first time, the hymen breaks. So there's blood. So there is a covenant there. So at the time, that's why they use the virgins for the rituals because there is a connection, there is a covenant there, this pure, there's something there with, with that blood that gets the, the, the demons and then it gets more power. That's why they also use children. They do in these rituals, they do, sorry for being so thinking, they, they rape children, they, they, they rape babies because they believe that there's pure and there's something there with the blood that is gonna give more power and more access to the demons. For saying that, you will be called a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> QAnon, that's the new term that they use, whatever it means. And they'll say, you, be you believe that there's this ritual abuse going on of children and even babies. And I, I guess my answer to that is, it's like on the whole witchcraft issue. For all of human history, people have been explicitly practicing witchcraft, like all tribes all over the world. There are people today who call themselves witches. There are religious people who oppose witchcraft. There are, in this case, people on trial for witchcraft-related crimes that include all of those crazy wild conspiracy theories with the little kids and the horrible stuff. The only people who don't believe in this are a handful of, I guess, secularists or materialist-type people and then I guess there's another group that denies it, which is the people who are 
maybe engaging in it or covering it up, and they, they're just lying. And so, but I just don't see how looking at the evidence of all of history and even the headlines and a trial right now going on in Scotland, the testimony of someone who's been very involved in witchcraft, how, how anyone could deny it. All, all of the evidence says this stuff happens and has pretty much always happened. Mm-hmm. The enemy wants to make this look like it doesn't exist so we don't do anything about it. I had recently, recently, I was kind of like mentoring, helping someone that she was involved in satanic ritual abuse. She was a woman, she was a 65-year-old woman, and her testimony is crazy. And I was trying to help her to come out of that mentality, helping her with deliverance, with healing. And she told me some crazy stuff that they used to do to her. And people would hear her testimony and think like, she's crazy, she needs to go to a... Psychiatric. Mental asylum. Exactly. She needs to be locked. But she was sharing specific things about what she went through. And even as a really young girl, how she was raped, how she was involved in these rituals, what they have to make her do when they lock her in, in, in cages with animals too. No, that was in the story about yeah, what happened in Glasgow. They would lock typical, these kids yeah. in cages and cabinets. And, and, they, and they locked them there with animals because their main thing is fear. They want to kind of like control their mind so then one day they can be part of the cult and continue. In fact, this woman, she was she became a, like a high priest satanist and um, and but she believed in God since she was young because she had an encounter with Jesus. Hmm. So she believes that the whole time the Lord was protecting her for from those things. But she but she told me some crazy stuff and I'm like, I didn't even know those things were real. Like, Wait, I hold know. on. She- she believed in God, had an encounter with Jesus, and then became a high-ranking. They saint. were training her oh, got it. to be a high um, satanist, and you know she she had she saw demons, she had encounters, she she went through rape. They even killed one of her babies in in when she got pregnant as a sacrifice. So the crazy the, the story is crazy. Like so they I made know. her get an abortion, or like yeah, after they she- took the baby out and they killed in front of her. So there, there's, these things are real. These things are real. And I'm like, but, but this is why the enemy doesn't kind of like want to make us think that this is not real. Yeah. So we don't stand and we speak about these matters. We speak about these things and what are we going to do against that? Because if the church doesn't know that this is real, the church is just going to be sitting. My question then, I think I probably know the answer, but what kind of groups are doing this? Meaning, is it just some weirdo, fringe, eccentric people on the on the edges of society who are engaging in this and who get caught up in it and it's, it's horrible and tragic, but it's some pretty weird out there people? Or is it mainstream people and wealthy people and powerful people and I, I, you seem to be implying it's the lab. <laughs> so, conspiracy theories again. It's a safe, I guess safe space. People are going to think. Yeah, yeah but um, I believe there's so many people in power involved in Satanism. You cannot imagine. She even, uh, I mean, I don't want to know say her name because she she's quite private. But she told me when she was super involved in that that there were people of of, of high rank with a lot of money involved in these rituals. Yeah involved in these practices. And um, she didn't give me names, but she said like that she saw a lot of people with money, in power, in government, um, involved in this type of practices. 
So I believe that there's a lot of people, there's normal people doing it, and there's also people in power involved in this. I did hear from someone once. This was someone I knew a little bit in school, like freshman year, and then we kind of lost touch, went our separate ways. I don't, he, I don't think he liked me very much. You know, I was very <laughs> conservative. And, but he reached out to me years later after we had graduated. And uh, I, without going too much into detail in this, because I don't, I don't want to be gossiping or anything, it, he got involved. He just told me all this once, just right over the phone. I hadn't talked to this guy in years. He got involved in all of this kind of stuff, like down to the very worst levels of it. And it, he, he said there, there were very, very wealthy, influential, powerful people involved. Like not, you know... Not very wealthy, like he, they have nice houses in the suburbs, like Important. like private jet kind of money, you know, mm-hmm. in, involved in this. And I, I've heard it, so that was, a, I guess, a direct witness or participant I heard this from, and I've heard it from other people too. But it just, on the one hand, it seems like common sense because it's right there in the Bible. We, the principalities and the powers and the spiritual wickedness of high places and the notion that the devil is the prince of this world, it's right there. And yet you just, even I still today cannot believe that that is real because mm-hmm. I just expect things to be kind of more normal. <laughs> maybe that is normal. It does. Or maybe maybe the, the abnormal is normal in this world. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, it's exactly like that. We call normal what is not normal, yeah. <laughs> and then the things that are abnormal, those are actually the normal things. So there, there's been talk recently, uh, or more attention paid to some of this ritual abuse, and the abuse of children and trafficking and, and all of that. There's a movie Sound of Freedom, and there's been some attention paid to this, which uh, I loved when the Sound of Freedom movie came out. The liberal media said this is a QAnon conspiracy movie something. I said, wait a second. It's based on the true story of Tim Ballard. Yeah. I, wow. I interviewed the guy who, these, these are real events. So if you're saying that these wow. real events uh, are conspiracy theories, then what are you saying about the so-called conspiracy theories? But there's attention paid to that. How does one stop that? How, do, how does one break up all of these wealthy elite cabals of Satanists? Oh, that's good. That's spiritual warfare of high rank. Not everyone should be involved in that. Hmm. Um, I believe that's why we have to prepare ourselves. I believe there has to be a spiritual preparation. And with that, I mean holiness, making sure that you are like living the holy life, that you fast, that you pray, that you intercede, you're connected with the Holy Spirit, that you are closing portals in your life, that you, if you have sins in your life, you stop them. If you have courses, you're breaking generational courses and iniquities, hmm. as the Bible says, that you have these this 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 training and that you are trained as a soldier i always see i always see everything for me everything that happens in the natural is a representation of how what is happening in the spiritual realm right right so part of what i see here with the armies right how they get trained how they get equipped they don't go to attack the enemy they first investigate who is the enemy who is the head what is the weakest point how we can enter the same way should be for us Hmm. we just don't engage in warfare for the sake of i cast out this principle no we actually need to have understanding who is the person and the principality that we are facing who is the spirit of high rank 
and the same thing, fasting, prayer, clo clo close importance, breaking courses, and train also in war. Waking up early to pray like this. These people train, they wake up early, they train, they eat healthy. Same way for us. We don't realize, but even eating, yeah. certain things affect the spiritual realm. So we are eating, all we eat is fast food and pizza, all of that. I'm, I'm telling you, all of those things affect the spiritual realm because you might go to sleep and in the spiritual realm, now you might have nightmares. Now you cannot perceive maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to give you a dream or something. So all of those things for me are like important that we actually understand and we actually trained yeah. as the people in the military here, here on earth so we can actually be part of God's army and part of the occupying army so we can understand, okay, how are we going to occupy nations? It's not actually going against the person because Ephesians 6, 12 says our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers. So understanding that we love the person, but we come against the spirit that's coming right. behind. And this is what we have to be pre prepared for. This is what we have to be ready for if we want to see actually a change in our nation and establish the government of Jesus Christ in that nation. I love the imagery of the soldier because one of, one of my favorite books on this question is uh, The Spiritual Combat by Dom Lorenzo Scupoli. And he writes about these spiritual disciplines and, and very practical ways. This is a 500-year-old book, but very practical ways to deal with this vice or that sin or this temptation. When you mention the food or maybe you feel a little sluggish, you have nightmares, you don't sleep well, I find the greatest predictor of, of my likelihood, my inclination towards sin and temptation is if I'm tired. If I'm well-rested, I'm generally pretty good. If I'm really tired, I haven't slept in a few days, I've been overworked, I was out late the night before, my temptation to sin, even if it's just a mental sin, even if it's just entertaining wrath or lust or pride or anything, is, is far heightened. Basic stuff, just get, get a good night's sleep, you know, like a, like a soldier. A soldier going out to, to a battle, if, if he hasn't slept in a few days, he's not going to be as effective as he would otherwise. Uh, and I love this idea of be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. You know, you don't just go out and say, here we go, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take on all the bad forces, physical and metaphysical today. No, you've got to be a little clever and you've got to have strategy and you've got exactly. to be wise. Exactly. That's what I tell people. That the same thing that the people of Israel, when they used to go to war, they used to ask the Lord, shall we go? Is this our time? When they didn't ask God if they should go to war, they, they, they used to lose. They used to go into captivity. They used to, the same thing happens in the spiritual realm. You're entering into a fight or a battle that the Lord is not telling you to enter. You're going to suffer counterattacks because the Lord hasn't given you the go ahead to go mm -hmm. for it. So for, I said, I always said this, for every battle that you are facing now on earth, there is a spiritual strategy that you should be asking the Lord to give you to fight that. And, and the focus on how, how are we going to stop all this public evil? First step is... Holy, your personal holiness. Stars in you. You know, there are, there are people who call themselves Christians who will say, I don't need to be holy. I don't need to work on anything. I don't need to discipline myself. I don't need to fast and pray and do all the things that Christians have done for all of human history or for all of the history of the church. And, and before that, actually, you know, in the, the people of Israel, you know, awaiting the Messiah. I don't need to do any of that. I just, I think for many of them, they'll say, well, I just need to think in my head you know, I, I believe in Jesus. And that's, well, you know, you've got a body too. You've got, we live in time and space too. 
you know the tree by its fruit too. Mm-hmm. Many people say, will call me Lord, Lord, and I will say, I didn't know you. And this is the thing that, um, that people said, like, I just accept Jesus. I just go to church and that's it, it's done. That's the beginning. When you accept Jesus, your spirit gets activated by the Holy Spirit. But we are tripe tribe beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. What about your soul? Your soul is, is your mind, your emotions. What, what about now you're working in your soul? Because also, like, if your soul is in darkness, right, your mind, your emotions, at the time of the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to you or something is going to pass to this filter. So at the time of receiving in your natural being, it's going to be distortion. It's going to be corrupted. So this is why for me it's important. When you come to Christ, Yes, now you have the Holy Spirit now. Yes, but you have to start working in those areas that for generations your ancestors have been carrying or maybe you have been involved in, in pornography, in addictions, in certain things that you have to stop and you need to have discipline. If we are the, you know, the army of God, we have to be trained as the army. We have to have discipline. We have to be, have strategies. We need to adopt this thing and this takes me back again to what I, what, what I was telling you, that this is why the church doesn't get involved in warfare, because they don't know how to, because they don't know that there's a spiritual principles and things that we have to put into place if we want to advance God's kingdom. There's a lot of stuff, even for protection, right? Having a holy life, having a consecration, having this communion with the Holy Spirit brings protection. You have closed portals in your life, so when you are entering the enemy's kingdom, he cannot do anything to you. But right, but if you are like casting out demons and you are doing this and then you are sinning behind and you know, but I can do this. Well, it's going to happen to you the same thing that happened to the sons of Eskiva, right? They didn't know Jesus. They knew Paul. They didn't know Jesus. That's why knowing Jesus is, is, is the key. Having intimacy is the key to, to enter into warfare and change, change the, 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 the trajectory of a nation. You know, the, the, the private sin... And I, I don't mean to mock it, or I'm not minimizing it in any way, quite the opposite, actually. But people write in to me about, in my mailbag, and people, people, I talk to priests, they say this is what they hear from 90% of guys in confession. It's porn, which you just mentioned. And so if you're saying that sexual immorality is a big part of witchcraft and the occult and Satanism, then what does it mean that at least since the advent of the internet and certainly since the iPhone, porn is everywhere. Something like 90% plus of men look at it. A huge number of women look at it. I read somewhere something like 60% of women look at it, which shocked me. The age of of exposure to it is extremely young. I I, I don't, well, I guess I do want to say that everything has a spiritual component because nothing is merely physical. You know, it's not, we're spirits too. But what does it say that, this key element of witchcraft is now effectively ubiquitous, that it's everywhere, that, that, that porn is just everywhere, and that this, if sexual immorality is a big part of witchcraft and the occult, well, what, what is the rapid expansion of that say? So if, you go, if, you, if we go back to the Bible and we talk about the Jezebel spirit, the Jezebel spirit, she was a witch, right? Hmm. And she had, she was immoral, so she was involved in sexual immorality, so she was released that over a place. I believe that because of witchcraft, New Age, the occultism is expanding too much, that brings the, remember something, I want to say something, and it's that demons don't walk alone. 
the principalities, they don't walk by themselves. Mm. As I said, we were talking about authorities and ranks. They move with, with certain powers that come under them and then they have others that come under them, right? Witchcraft, which is a new age, occultism, all, the, all of these practices, Satanism, all of these things bring sexual immorality. Huh. So now, because of the occultism is rapidly expanding in our nations, we see the sexual immorality also being released upon our nations. So this is why, like, when you go to a place and you see, like, there's a lot of sexual immorality and prostitution, you know, there's some sort of witchcraft here, too. Hmm. That's, the, that's the sign of it, mm-hmm. or one of the big signs of it. Mm-hmm. So then, what does one do? Do we just ban porn? <laughs> That's what I would do, I mean, but I, I don't know that we can. I believe like there's a strong man for a reason. Um, this is why, coming back again, I see the church fighting in the spiritual realm, punching the air, not knowing what they are punching. <laughs> I see that. I see like people like just did it, but you, yeah. who are you fighting against? Are you, who are you coming against? We need to have understanding that there are strong men and there are minions. If you bind the minions and you remove the minions, the strong man is still there because there is a legal right. So the portal is still open for this minion to come back again or other ones to come back again and leave. And so this is why we as the head of Christ, we need to actually see, okay, what is the strong man moving in here? We just don't buy porn. That's a minion. That's just like the, the consequence of something bigger. So we don't buy the porn. We don't buy the addiction. What is actually the big thing that's moving in that, in that, in that area? Okay, it could be maybe like, as I said, witchcraft. It could be like control and manipulation and that's been released. It's not just porn. So it's actually understanding what are we binding. And this goes also to a personal level, right? Let's say that someone is dealing with addictions. The person is dealing with a lot of uh, addictions, porn, maybe drug, drug addictions, alcoholism. The person just doesn't bind that. But actually, what if the strong man in that person's life is actually a rejection. It's actually maybe a traumatic experience that that person had when they were young that opened up the portal to addiction. So when you go right there to help the person to be set free from that trauma, you are helping that person to be set free from the addictions and all of, all of these things. Right. So it's actually going to the root. Like we are like trees and I see a lot of people cutting the bad fruit of the tree instead of healing the root. It's important that we come back. What is the root of the issue? What is the root of the tree? So we start to bring healing to the body of Christ, actually to the rope and not just the leaves and cutting. I'm thinking that I'm just going to cut this and hope that it's not going to grow up again. It's going to grow up again because the, the, the root is ill. Right. So I believe that that's part of one of the strategies that the Lord has given me to help people and to pray for nations is actually what is the root? What? Because sometimes people think they can just go back in time and say, if only we went back to the 1990s, we'd all be happy. Or if we went back to the 1950s, things would be better. But, but I think, well, hold on. First of all, you can't go back in time. But second of all, even if you could go back in time, if you just r- rewind the, the tape, how is it not going to play out exactly as it already did? You know, aren't, aren't the seeds of the present destruction that we're seeing, weren't they sown way back then? Weren't they sown even, even probably before that? So you mentioned okay, what's, what's at the heart here? Well, at the heart of, look, if porn is just one symptom or one expression of this problem, well, it's an expression of uh, the notion that we can do whatever we want, this notion of maximal individual autonomy, self-sovereignty. Mm-hmm. 
that's a much deeper, bigger, stronger man kind of a problem than just uh, looking, you know, getting your jollies off on some internet video. Uh, the, the problem of people who are in the porn industry, every single, every single woman who's ever been involved in porn has an issue with her father, right? Mm-hmm. As you, I mean, you just hear interview after interview, uh, testimony after testimony. I mean, there's no, uh, it's 100% of the time. Well, that would be a, a root problem. And so if you only prune away at the leaves, well, the, and the root is still there, it's just going to continue to grow. So then th- there are these deeper problems. And obviously, ultimately, we can trace this all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Mm. But it does seem that politically, there are some, some things that, that we could do that are practical and, and that we could take immediately. You mentioned strong man. And now today, if you ever oppose this liberalism, this decadence, this uh, sin and debauchery, you're called an authoritarian. Well, it's very, you want to get rid of porn, you're an authoritarian. You want to, you want to suggest that Christianity is a better basis for culture than, I don't know, pride parades. You're an authoritarian. They've said this about uh, Viktor Orban in Hungary. They've said he's an authority. This guy's been popularly elected many times and but he said, no, our, our country is going to be a Christian country. We're not going to force you to go to church. We're not going to force you to worship anyway. But the, con- the, the country is going to be oriented toward God. And for this, every country around the West is at this guy's throat. They want to attack mm-hmm. him. But that seems like a, a practical thing that one could do in politics. 100%. 100%. And this is coming back again. It is about the authority. The person that is there is like in the spiritual and has kind of like given the keys of that nation. So whatever you speak over that nation is going to be released because you have authority, the same thing that the parents have authority over the children, right? We are the head of our children. So when we speak those things over their life, it's released in the spiritual atmosphere and it manifests. The same thing happened to the nation. So what it would be a good way of actually changing a nation, apart from the spiritual mat- matters, is actually establish, establishing someone in power that has the heart of God that are going to actually release those things over the nation and say, like, a strong man, you are not going to rule in this nation. This is who is going to rule this nation, and, and it's Jesus. But this is why the enemy is taking over the nation, because he knows that if you take the nations, you change society. Yeah. And the family is the nucleus of society. So how do you actually stop the enemy from doing that from here, from the government, from standing in this place of authority, changing the government, changing the society, and changing the families? Because on the political left, you'll you'll see this attack on order and hierarchy and law. (laughs) And you come to expect that, this divisive, atomizing uh, political program. But you hear it sometimes even on the right. The right is, is allergic to the notion of authority or submission to just authority. But, you know, it's right there in the Bible. I mean, St. Paul tells us, first of all, it's throughout the Old Testament, but then St. Paul tells us the civil authority is put there by God for your good. The law is good. Order is good. And uh, so there's nothing unchristian about wielding political power in a just way. And yet many in the church seem to think that there is. I know. There's a lot of people that actually say we shouldn't be involved in politics. We shouldn't be involved in anything. We're just going to be sitting in church, clapping hands every Sunday, praising, and that's it, while the enemy right there. No, 
we should be, I believe we should, we shouldn't just be even taking the government. We should be taking the media. We should be taking, yeah. we should be taking everything yeah. for Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't, why wouldn't we? I mean, exactly. this is because what the, the liberals will, would say is, well, you know, you, you sound power mad or you sound driven. I think, well, someone's going to run the media. Do I, do I want it to be the people who are right and inclined to do good things or the people who presently run the media who are these crazy libs who want to destroy our civilization? Somebody is going to wield the power. Exactly. Some, there's going to be some kind of order. You're not going to just live in chaos forever. So there's some kind of order will be imposed. Do you want it to be an order that is conducive to flourishing or one that is degrading and immiserating and that leads to decline, plummeting rates of marriage, plummeting birth rates, skyrocketing rates of suicide, so much so that you've got a, now a decreasing life expectancy in the United States, for goodness sakes. Uh, you know, political chaos, open borders, you go down the litany of symptoms. You're going to have some kind of order. Exactly. Why isn't it the good one? Exactly. And this is why also the same way that Christians say that that money, having too much money is actually bad. I, it is bad. What, what is the motive of your heart? It can be. We it actually can be need bad. money to invest God's kingdom. Yeah. We actually need money. You want to be in government, you need money. You want to be in media, you need money. You want to be in politics and all of these things, you need money. So we actually need money. We need the Holy Spirit mainly to make, to make that clear. But we also need some sort of like power to establish that. Aristotle points this out too. He says, to be happy... Money is not going. Money is not virtuous. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a wealth is not a, like a, a virtue, and it's just an instrument for other it's an things. Instrument, exactly. But in order to be happy, you do need to satisfy certain basic material, physical needs. So you can, you know, people often say money is the root of all evil, but that's not the verse. The love of money is the root of all evil. To make an idol out of money, to worship mammon, that that would be quite evil. But but to do things in the physical world, and and the example, I mean, going full circle. The example of witchcraft is instructive here as a kind of parody or inversion of true spiritual authority, which is the, the thing that's confounding for us, I think, is that it's not that people have spiritual inclinations one way or the other, but that people would actually go out into the woods and look up at a moon and engage in some weird ritual and cast a magic spell. And that that's the part. I think it's the the fleshy part of it that is so confounding to modern liberal people. But historically speaking, those of us who doubt the importance of the physical, and we're the exception. There, this has been going on mm -hmm. for a very long time. And there are rituals and sacraments, we might call them, uh, on the good side, too. Exactly. Maybe, we, maybe we ought to be a little active in those, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And you know something that I also realize is that we are, some people might be thinking, oh, those rituals in the morning, oh, yeah, that's so like, that's coming, that's coming out of a book, that's too crazy. But you know that some people actually, in those meetings, they are doing the courses for the nations. They are like releasing and cursing the nation because they want maybe the LGBT agenda to go forward. Maybe they want the abortions to go forward. Maybe they want now the, the, the marriage, the same sex to go, certain things. Those things are also done in those places. And that's why for me, like when people laugh at that, I'm like, you're laughing at that, but the enemy is advancing. The enemy right. re is, is releasing those things over our families and over our, our nation, so. Right, yeah. You 
you, modern, glib, liberal, you're laughing at it, but the people who are regularly doing these rituals, who now we're even seeing this in courts, they're doing these things, they're not laughing. The people in high positions of political authority, John Podesta, who's going to these dinners, running Hillary Clinton's campaign, he's not laughing, he's just doing it. The, the vast majority of people from very poor, uninfluential people all the way up to some of the most influential people in the history of the world, they're not laughing at it. Exactly. And you know something curious that I realized? Those that don't believe in the spiritual realm or they are laughing about what is going on, when you look at their family, those are the ones that are more bind in their family. Those are the ones that have maybe the depression, maybe they have the anxiety, the suicide, the thoughts, the drug addiction, the immoral part. Of, those are the ones that are actually struggling in those, in those areas. And you realize people are so blind. The Bible says that the scales of the eyes fell, yeah. right? There's people that have scales in their eyes and stop them from actually see. When their scales are removed, they actually realize, oh, this was in front of me the whole time. This is real. Okay, how can I restore my family? How can I bring this to my family? How can I bring Jesus to my family to receive salvation? Here's to hoping many more scales fall. Amen. In their due time. Julie, where can people find you? Well, I'm on social media. I'm, er I'm everywhere. <laughs> You're everywhere. You're in Colombia, Spain, UK, America. No, I'm in the USA. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on, on, on Instagram and on, on, I, I have my YouTube channel where I put um, teachings there, Julie Lopez. I also run a ministry called Rick Latam, R-I-G. It means restoring the Issachar's generation. That's the prophetic tribe that understood times and season. So I'm part of the ministry called Rick Nation under Tommy Arayumi. And our mission is to basically train people to hear the voice of God, restoring that tribe, that tribe that understand times and season and what the nations should do. Mm. And um, so that's called Rick Latam. So we are, we are in on Instagram, YouTube. We have our website, Rick, Rick Latam, and my website, Julie Lopez, too. You can find you in all those places yeah. and, not, and not on a broomstick. <laughs> thank you. Julie, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much.